0: break draft trade
1: all right are we ready to roll
2: what do you think a lot of this is when you're watching the nfl draft if this guy goes there then you're going to be interested because their rookie draft may start before they even hear the next podcast so you're going to be curious what to think about someone because i'm listening to all the podcasts right before the draft because my draft started immediately as soon as the nfl draft ended ready steady Let's go.
0: Yeah, and buy Daniel Jones before the NFL draft. Just sniped him from Papa. That was the best pick I've made in a while. I didn't even really want him and I was like, oh Papa's like two picks after this. Let's go.
3: I right, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Break, draft, trade. I want a juju here. Uh, He's like it's not like you're investing like a high pick in the guy. <sighs>
1: He burned me too many. See, I am one of those people who now I need I need proof that you're worth keeping on my roster. And if you are, I'll go back to you. Like there's redemption. I'll re- You're redeemable.
2: Here's the best quarterback of the NFL. Mm, not good enough.
1: I no. run a tight ship.
2: I'm no, gonna need more than that.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> listen, I give you all opportunities. If you fail me, Trade
3: away their best receiver. <laughs> no, 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 still not good. No. You, you,
2: this competition is MVS and Hardman. No, no, no I'm oh my still not good I gotta
1: see it. I gotta see it. See, I'm being reprimanded right now. <laughs> I wasn't gonna drink, but now I feel like I might need to. There you go. Shots.
2: <laughs> this is rapid, relevant rookie rhetoric. Wavy arm, playing inflatable tube man. <laughs>
1: oh, see, that's impressive. <laughs> no, I couldn't even say the whole thing once. it just got dark in your room
3: sounds correct i I get a little paranoid with that
2: on today's show we have ghosts of henry past
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that wasn't enough
0: no not in missouri yeah
1: there's a gray area there i got you oh
2: it's all gray And it's all grand. Let's knock him out here in the intro. Yeah, and I called him out again. I said, yo, you
3: didn't give us any mail. You probably rolled it in a joint. Could be.
0: And then and then a question mark. Probably more than two, but definitely two. Because he's Matt
3: Ryan and people just like to think that he's Matt Ryan. He doesn't do things. Yeah.
2: I'm sorry, you have a first and a last name that are each four letters and
3: They're both
0: first names, yeah.
2: Yeah. His only chance at a career resurgence is to hyphenate his last name. <laughs> Yeah, make it like Ryan and Rodgers, like Ryan Rodgers or something cool. There you go. Then it can uh, choke in the playoffs instead. Oh, wait, he already does that.
1: Iowa, Nick. Yes. Nick, Iowa.
2: All right, audible. Most interesting spot. The most bestest. The most bestestest.
1: So I think I'm just going to go, you know, we're going to do a little rapid, relevant rookie rhetoric, just because it's fun to say. (laughs) I got it that time. You say, all right, rappy rookie rhetoric. Rappy rookie. Rappy rookie. (laughs) Rappy, rappy rookie. To close up our rookies, we've got a little rapid relevant rookie rhetoric. Why don't you guys just name some? I feel like we should each take a turn saying rapid relevant rookie rhetoric. Rhetoric. (laughs) No, that's just you. (laughs) I already messed it up.
0: (laughs) Man, I love Pierre Strong. I can't wait to talk about him.
1: He's a strong pick.
2: Get that drink. Where's your drink? I figured you just had a little bell that you rung at your desk.
1: That's a great idea. Welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. Last week, we highlighted some up-and-coming rookie quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. This week, we're going to continue that trend and finish highlighting the rest of the notable rookies. Each one of our fantasy brains, Henry, Mike, and Nick, are going to give us some stats and info on their thoughts on these rookies and also discuss possible landing spots. We will also be discussing how landing spots can affect incoming rookie value and draft position. I'm Gina Noble, your host of the Ranked Draft Trade Podcast. Now let's meet our fantasy brains. We have a handsome fella who appreciates a glass of fine wine just like he appreciates a fine fantasy roster. <laughs> Say hello to Mr. Fantasy Magic Mike. <laughs>
3: That was good again. I do like a nice glass of wine. (laughs) Nice Cabernet. Is it magical? Oh, it's definitely magical. I had a a nice bottle on Thursday.
1: Next, he's the self-proclaimed perfect size, standing 5'9", 210 pounds. If he entered the rookie draft, we're certain he'd be a first-round pick. He can give you any stat of any player down to their shoe size. Our very own saint of fantasy, Henry Saint Clair.
0: Well, I might not be the only five nine, almost five ten, two ten plus pounder going in the first round. Kenneth Walker, he's got that RB build like myself.
1: Finally, the man who makes it all possible, working endless hours perfecting both his fantasy lineups and this amazing ranked draft trade podcast. He's a genius in the world of fantasy football and loves working trades almost as much as he loves working a spreadsheet. (laughs) Our very own Iowa in the NFL, Mr. Nick James.
2: Flattering. Thank you, Noble the Queen.
1: You're very welcome. We appreciate all you do. All right, guys, let's get into highlighting the last of our rookies worth discussing starting off with Henry let's talk about a guy you're you're excited to talk about Pierre Strong we've got 5'11 207 pounds out of South Dakota State what uh what would you like to highlight about Pierre He's
0: got a good size for running back. He always liked 200 plus pounds, got a minimum once you hit that 510 range. You know, he ran the fastest 40 of any running back at the combine 437, slightly faster than Hall and Walker, who also ran excellent times. He had some of the fastest play speed I've seen in a long time from a running back. It was reminiscent of when Raheem Mostert was healthy for the Niners to me. Mostert, 5'10", 205, ran a four three four at the Combine many moons ago. He went undrafted out of Purdue, which was questionable given he ran a four three four. But he was able to take toss plays 80 yards to the house. And Pierre Strong, to me, has that home run ability. There's a hole, he hits it, and he's gone. And you could say, you know, he's playing against not the greatest competition. He's playing against, you know, Lindenwood and North Dakota State and all sorts of other schools like that. 23.3 years old. It's a little older than some of the running backs, older than Javante Williams by about a year who came out last year, still about a year younger than Najee Harris. So it's an okay age, an unranked prospect coming out of high school from Arkansas, uh, Little Rock. Commits to South Dakota State, obviously. I wrote in here it was fitting that he played for South Dakota State because he kind of ran like a jackrabbit to me. He kind of, like, bounces when he runs. Like, he has a spring in his step. He really does, and it's the South Dakota State jackrabbits. The South Dakota State jackrabbits. Not to be confused with Janoris Jenkins, former New York Giant. St. Louis Ram back in the day. What I noticed most when watching his tape was, is he does not need build-up speed. He gets the ball and he is gone. And then he'll shake a guy in the backfield and just instantaneous acceleration. Some of the quickest 0-60 to I've seen in a long time. It's like watching a Ferrari run down the field like Mike Wallace back in the day. Unlike Ferraris, he doesn't break down very often, which is nice. He broke out as a redshirt freshman after redshirting his freshman year, had 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. They had that weird COVID season where their conference isn't one of the biggest, so they were debating the financial cost of playing during the COVID season and not playing and so many players opted out and there was a whole thing so that year was kind of weird but then this year he had 1700 yards and 18 touchdowns he averaged over 100 yards a game at a touchdown he really was the backbone of that team it was let's give this guy 20 carries a game for 150 yards and just see what happens every snap it seemed like he was getting 10 yards a carry he didn't get a ton of receiving work in college there were a couple times where I saw him line up in the slot it was interesting he ran running back route out of the slot it wasn't like he was a receiver when they lined him up outside he would still run an angle or a texas route you know where they cut outside and then cut back in at like a 90 degree angle and he'd catch the ball over the middle seemed like a natural pass catcher when he got the opportunity He is a little, not even smaller for a running back, but he could be a pass catcher if needed. He has been often comped to Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana last year, who went to the Niners in round six. James Robinson, who's 5'9", 220. He did that at Northern Illinois. And then Raheem Mostert, who also went undrafted. Those are all sixth round or later guys from small schools. Wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of slip in the draft, but I don't think he should. I think he should be a third or fourth round pick, given what I've seen from him.
1: You weren't joking when you said you were excited to talk about Pierre Strong. Definitely some strong feelings there.
0: I seriously think he might be the third best running back in this class after Hall and Walker. What? He's right up there with everyone else for me. So
1: what you're saying is you may get a good value pick here because a lot of people are not probably thinking about taking him early. He's going to drop.
0: Could be spoiled by a good landing spot bad, unfortunately.
1: All right. All right. Well, good information. Let's move on to Alec Pierce. This is a wide receiver, 6'3", 213 pounds out of Cincinnati. What's your thoughts on Alec?
0: Uh, Obviously, you said it that he played at the University of Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter. They make it all the way to the college football playoff last year. Surprising. He was their leading receiver and clearly their best receiver, often playing the boundary, the X role. 52 receptions, 884 yards, 8 touchdowns, led the team in every category for receiving. Certainly a breakout year. Didn't have a ton of production before this year, which is a little alarming given he was a senior. He grew up in Chicago. He was a big Michael Jordan fan. Then he grew up a Packers fan as well, which is interesting because he's very similar to Jordy Nelson, 6'3", and Green Bay would be an excellent fit. He could be... Quite literally, Jordy Nelson for Aaron Rodgers again. He's faster than a lot of the guys in this class with 441 speed. Originally, it was clocked faster at the 40, but that's still upper 80, 90 percentiles. And he had the highest vertical of any receiver. He said that in an interview, Alec Pierce mentioned that the most underrated part of his game is his catch radius. And when you have a vertical like that and you're able to get up... And you have such a big body at 6'2", 6'3", with the long arms. He can catch the ball anywhere, which is great for a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, who wasn't always the most accurate. He was able to haul in anything thrown his way. Often, he would kind of get open and not get thrown the ball. He had a ton of full-ride offers to be a volleyball player going into college with the 40 and a half inch vertical the highest of any receiver he was awesome at spiking and just more of really the bounce of him and it seems like it's genetic with him both his parents went to northwestern were athletes there kind of like a Christian McCaffrey situation where they went to stanford and then he was an excellent athlete both his brothers are 6-6 play basketball or in dunk competitions he's got some hops he obviously went to cincinnati which is where potentially the top corner in the draft went, Sauce Ahmad Gardner, every day in practice would go against one another. And he said it really helps him grow as a receiver because Sauce would bring it every day in practice. It would be no pads or something, and he would be jamming him at the line every play, trying to you know get any advantage he could against him. And so when he got to the games, it felt easy. And when you go against a top 10 pick potentially and practice every day, that tends to make you raise your game or fall off. And it seems like he made this, Step up. Potentially look for him, I would say, third round. He's going to be a mid round pick.
1: Green Bay would be an interesting landing spot with that Jordy Nelson comparison. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would like to get his hands on Alec pierce
0: any receiver yes (laughs) if green bay would just bless him yes
1: okay mike let's uh let's go over your two rookie choices here to talk about so we've got a wide receiver out of clemson by the name of justin ross six foot four 205 pounds what would you like to tell people about justin
3: ross well, he broke out as a freshman. Was electric. People already pegged him as a first round, a first round rookie pick as a freshman. At that point, then he kind of takes a step back the next year. He was playing behind T. Higgins. Didn't re- you know, wasn't getting this, the uh, same kind of work done there. Much less efficient. I mean, he went from twenty one yard a catch average to a thirteen. Kind of dropped off there. It was a really rough injury. I forget the name of it. I know Claridos. put him out for a year.
1: It was so. It's a. Sp- it's a congenital fusion condition with his neck and spine.
3: Yeah, I don't know much about it. I do know that there's nobody who plays football who has that, so it wasn't even known if he was going to come back and play football at all. But he did come back. He came back in 21. He got a stress fracture in his foot early in the season, so again, not a great year. Lost a lot of his speed with a couple games left in the season to uh, play again. What I like about him is he's a great route runner. He did have great speed, but he, he did run a 4. And where was he? 463. So he did lose a bit of it. I like him because he has about as much upside as anybody in this draft at the wide receiver position, but you're not going to be taking him as early. If he can kind of overcome these injuries, maybe regain some of his speed, get a decent landing spot, he could be a decent value in the third round for you. All
1: right. Good stuff. Let's move on to Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford is a running back from the University of Cincinnati, 5 foot 11, 220 pounds. Uh, originally signed with Alabama as a 4-star recruit, but was competing in the depth chart with guys like Damian Harris, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Brian Robinson. So he ended up transferring to the University of Cincinnati. So what can you tell us about Jerome Ford and what to look
3: for? Well, it seems like every week I talk about an Alabama running back buried on a depth chart behind studs. Not on purpose either. So unlike Brian Robinson, he gets out. He goes to Cincinnati. The first two seasons of his career in Alabama, I mean, he got like almost no carries. We really don't have much on him there. 2020 COVID season, another weird season. But uh, 2021, he really breaks out. I mean, over 1,300 yards, 19 touchdowns, and he was really efficient with his actual carries. He was over six yards a carry. Set him apart a little bit from uh, Brian Robinson for me. Things I like about him, he's a very patient runner. You'll see him, like, wait a second, especially if he's going on the outside or waiting for a hole to open and then kind of take off. And I rarely saw him taken down on the first hit. Arm tackles don't bring him down. He's a pretty strong guy. Decent speed as well. He was like, what was he, uh, 4.46, 40? Yep. I mean, hopefully he gets some decent capital maybe in like the fourth round could be a decent value in your rookie draft somewhere in the third
1: all right thanks mike for your input on justin ross and jerome ford let's move to you mr iowa nick's got the little brother of dalvin cook james cook Uh, Running back out of Georgia, 5'11", 190 pounds. What can you give us for information on James Cook?
2: Well, we talked about Zamir White last week, and James Cook shared the backfield with him. He's shared the backfield with all the way back to DeAndre Swift. So he's had some decent running backs that he's played next to. He's never really been the main guy in a backfield, but he has been the main third down-slash-receiving back he's flash receiving skills like you said he's 511 199 so just barely smaller than what you'd like to see what you usually like to see is 200 plus around 210 but still 511 he's not a little guy out there he's 22 and a half looking through prospects today i was thinking when was the last draft class where so many prospects were over 23 years old it has to be this covid year messing with a lot of players as far as how long they've been at college because it's seems like this draft class has tons of older prospects. James Cook isn't necessarily one of the oldest, but still up there at 22 and a half. Like you said, Dalvin Cook's brother, he's like a smaller, more receiving back version of such. He never handled a ton of carries in any single game, but has flashed the ability to perform in each phase of the game. He's good running inside. He's good running outside. He's fast. He has burst. He can catch good hands. He can run routes. So he can do all those things that you're looking for, but he's never really been asked to carry a big load so a lot of people are projecting him to be like a complimentary third down passing down receiving back I think that's legit some mock him as high as like the NFL second round I think that's probably optimistic if he lands somewhere where it's just a like a between the tackle grinder and he gets to be the complimentary piece that is the pass catching even pass blocking that was good at times I think that could be ideal for him if he were to land in that kind of a scenario Scenario. James Cook, someone who I'm interested in, especially if he gets day two draft capital, being like a late second.
1: Like, do you think being Dalvin Cook's brother is going to, people are going to be more enticed to pick him?
2: Well, when you look at a big list of players and you don't know any of their names and then you see James Cook and you've heard on literally every podcast on the planet that he's Dalvin Cook's brother, you're probably going to recognize him more. So he's probably just like having your last name hyphenated makes your name sound cooler. If you're little Dalvin Cook's little brother, maybe your name sounds cooler. So maybe more people will know him. Maybe more people will overdraft him. But I think his bloodline is something that could be weighted to add value to him,
1: whether it's deserved or not. Good to know. Uh, Moving into John Mechie, 5'11", 187, a wide receiver out of Alabama. What What do you want to tell us about John Mechie?
2: We don't have combine from him due to a late season injury, but John Mechie has flashed at times Kind of shined a little bit when Waddle was down and then shined a little bit this last year. Everybody loves Jameson Williams from Alabama going pro this year. John Mechie had more catches than Jameson Williams had last year. I think he's one of the guys who's kind of being overlooked in a lot of like drafts and mocks. Like this is like a bona fide third round pick as of right now, but has a chance to rise up. I was talking earlier about how so many of the prospects are older than they typically are when you look at like a draft. Class as a whole, not for Mechie, 21 and a half years old. So that's something you look for in a wide receiver. He's at least 5'11, big enough. If he gets a draft capital, like day two draft capital, he could be someone who jumps from the third round to like the second round. If he falls to like day three, then that third round is probably more deserved, but someone who could, given the landing spot, jump up a decent amount. You know, Alabama's got NFL prospects front to back. So John Mechie is someone who who I'm potentially interested in on draft day.
1: Where uh, where do you foresee him going in the draft?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if he's at, like, the end of day two. Like, maybe he, he creeps into, like, the third round. As far as where, it's hard telling right now. Someone who I'd be interested in if he landed with a quarterback that is, you know, top half of the league quarterback.
3: I mean, I definitely, I I mean, I forgot to mention about Jerome Ford Is he did not really catch a lot of passes, wasn't involved a lot in the passing game, but he did catch almost everything thrown his way, but he kind of only ran like one route out to the side. So that is something that'll probably affect his draft capital. Definitely think it's something he could improve on.
2: I know you were saying Jerome Ford, third rounder, rookie drafts. A lot of drafts have him even up as high as the second as it sits currently. I liked what you said about how this is just another Alabama running back. I mean, if Alabama recruited you, odds are you're pretty decent, right? Oh, yeah. Had to transfer to Cincinnati. It's not like he transferred out of a backfield that didn't have NFL studs in it. The other guy you talked about, Justin Ross, you said he played with T. Higgins. He played with Hunter Renfro and Amari Rogers as well
3: at Clemson. Those are all good players. Except for Hunter Renfro,
2: early last season, I remember doing mock drafts where people were taking Justin Ross before he decided to come back again. Someone who's had hype for a while, like you said, broke out extremely young, so people have been just waiting for him to go pro since that point. As uh, someone who I'm kind of interested in, I think it could potentially be a value as well.
3: I'm definitely I'm interested in him as a value because of all the interest and everything. It's going to drop him back, and it's going to push him back in the NFL draft. It's going to push him back in rookie drafts, and if he's able to stay healthy and actually and regain some of that. Speed, and actually hit he could be a great outside threat and if not you don't really lose much you're not investing an early round pick on him yeah i
0: remember watching some mechie tape almost going in wanting to like the guy as a late round flyer and he just was so slow to me it was like everyone else was playing at two times speed and he was like just running in mud i know he didn't run and i think part of it was injury and i think part of it is he knew he wasn't going to test well Potentially, he's a really good football player. And so obviously sometimes the 40 gets overblown when you can produce. Like Keenan Allen is always a go-to example because you're in like a 4-7. And Mechie would almost have to succeed in the slot, especially at his size and speed. And he'd just kind of be a possession receiver at best for me.
2: So you're saying he should drop the Chi and just be John Meh. <laughs> yeah, John Meh, or John Catch Me. ba <laughs> bum It seems like you get assigned all the... Prospects that have the last name Strong. I'm sure it has nothing to do with you being a uh, workout warrior. Mm. (laughs) I know you were talking about all of his accomplishments as far as statistically on a per-game basis and whatnot. How much are you weighting the fact that this was at South Dakota State? Honestly, when I watched his game tape, it was
0: guys weren't even getting close to him. It was brutal. It was, let's hand the ball to him. Oh, there's a hole between the right guard and right tackle boom, 70-yard touchdown, boom, 45-yard touchdown. It was every game there was a 40-plus-yard touchdown, and I don't know if it was South Dakota State just having road graders for offensive linemen or if it was just a one-cut, a one-read running back just going, a zone runner just, you know, blasting through a hole every play. There was no hesitation. You know, you look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of patient behind the line, not Pierre Strong. He just goes.
2: Good stuff, good stuff. Sorry to switch topics, but do you think Alec Pierce made Ritter or Ritter made Alec
0: Pierce? I think they both had been in the system for so long together that there's a good chance there was just a lot of rapport built up Mm -hmm. over the years of so many practice reps over so many years of knowing you know, where his leverage points and his breaks were going to be, where he wanted the ball thrown. I think Alec Pierce, to me, is... Almost a better receiver than Ritter as a quarterback right now. But I think they're both very good players known, right?
2: Especially like that he's not even 22 yet. Do you guys have anything to say about James Cook? Little undersized Mm -hmm. weight-wise for a running back. A little. At least he's not Kyron.
0: Yeah. When you're 5'10", and you see some guys at 5'10", 5'11", like Jonathan Taylor, who are like 225, Saquon, who was like 230, you get those big running backs, and then you look at a guy who's like 5'10", 190, you're like, yeah, man, like that's going to be kind of a tough
3: sell Mm -hmm. in the NFL. If he puts on some weight, I mean, how much of that speed is he going to lose? I mean, if he gets up to like a 210.
1: If he gets up to 210, he is almost the perfect size.
3: Yeah. Almost. (laughs) You just need to be a little shorter.
1: (laughs) We need to take a little (laughs) off the top
3: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) oh henry
2: you want to bring us back into rapid rookie relevant, rapid whatever relevant rookie (laughs) reddick yeah triple quadruple r
1: triple quadruple r's Too bad it wasn't quadruple Ds. I could have fun with that. But um, Mm. let's go to quadruple Rs.
2: Mm. Now it's quadruple R rated.
1: So Iowa just had to put (laughs) in this tongue twister of rapid, relevant rookie rhetoric. Guys, let's go over some last sort of notable rookies that you're looking at at this point who might be late round additions on your roster, sitting on your taxi squad, but guys that at least mention that you might be trying to stash, hoping that they end up making something of themselves in the NFL. So let's start with running backs, rapid, relevant, rookie rhetoric, honorable mentions. So, Henry.
0: One that stands out to me is Tyler Beatty. Obviously, we make consistent jokes about my size. He <laughs> himself is a little undersized. He went to Mizzou, which is where I attend. He's 5'8, 197, 23 years old, ran a 4'4'5 at the combine. He prototypes to be a satellite scat back in the NFL. He obviously played with Roundtree, who's a sixth round pick last year for the Chargers. Roundtree was definitely the thunder to his Lightning. that led the SEC in rushing yards and was tied for the leading touchdowns. He was certainly the only thing on Mizzou's offense that was worth anything in the world. And it showed. It was, you know, can we give him 24 carries against Army in the bowl game? Yes, we can. So he can kind of handle more of a workload than you'd think. Similar in size to Michael Carter last year coming out. kind of plays a little bit like him. A little less shifty, in my opinion. But he still is very good in his
2: own right. And only like a year and a half older. Yeah, (laughs) he's a little older. His team has the right jersey color scheme (laughs) yeah it looks a lot like iowa out there on the field not biased at all
1: (laughs) i was gonna say i think henry's a little biased (laughs)
2: <laughs> Tyler Beatty that's legit though is someone who at least like the profile looks sweet as far as maybe taken as a fourth or fifth round flyer I'm guessing he's gonna be like a day three guy
0: I met him and he he's a smaller guy frame wise but he fills out his frame he's unbelievably like compact you see some guys that are 5'8 197 or 5'8 you know 210 ish and they're they're like carrying around kind of a you know kegger mm-hmm. like they're, they got a little like baby fat going of their muscles. This guy was just sturdy for his
3: size. Pretty stocky. <laughs> stocky.
0: He wasn't, though. That's the thing. He, he's a shorter guy, but he didn't strike me as stocky. It was, like, just proportionally just big everywhere. Like, Fit. Yeah. Looking big.
1: He's looking
0: big. <laughs> yeah, looking big. Hey, looking Tyler, big. looking
1: big today. <laughs> but Tyler would enjoy that standing at 5'8 when you tell him he's looking big.
0: I bet he would.
1: <laughs> Nick, how about you? Any notable running backs that you, any uh, Kayshawn Vaughn's in the group that you're stashing, late round hoping they do something
2: well even as a Hawkeye fan I wouldn't take Tyler Goodson in the same range that I was willing to take Keyshawn Vaughn
1: mm-hmm.
2: Tyler Goodson five nine, one ninety seven. Uh, he's one of the younger backs in this class just over 21 years old he ran a 442 I think that helped out his draft stock basically taking him from borderline undrafted and in, into day three we talked about Makai Sargent a little bit last year, Henry and I, and just wasn't super excited because he was basically the compliment of Goodson, who was a uh, touted Big Ten returning running back for last season. Tyler Goodson, I'm a Hawkeye fan. I'm supposed to tell you that he's going to be amazing and you should go and get this guy. Tempered expectations. He looked okay, but this guy is never someone who's really been breaking a lot of tackles. And then he measures in at 5'9", 197. I know that's an ideal height, but it's not necessarily...
1: Perfect height. Yeah. Perfect height.
2: It's not the ideal weight combination, but at least he's fast and he's young. That should be good. Mm -hmm. When you watch him play, it's like he's about to get tackled and he starts going down before he even gets hit. Mm. He went from, like, if you remember Akram Wadley from years ago, this dude would juke people out of their shit. Shorts. Tyler Goodson has that like quickness, but it's just like it was like a mindset. It was like that whole senior season, it was like he was playing not to get hurt. Like as soon as he's about to get tackled, he starts going down, Uh like not fighting for more. So I don't know how much that weighs into an NFL scout's evaluation. I would guess that he's going to be like a day three guy. But like any running back, just about any rookie running back in your third, fourth, fifth round is probably better than taking a wide receiver in your fourth or fifth round because all it takes is an injury or two, and then suddenly a nobody becomes a somebody. Tyler Goodson, probably someone who I'm going to take just based on pride alone at the end of, like, fourths and in fifth rounds. Tyler Goodson, someone to watch We approach this NFL draft.
3: Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't think that'll be my snipe on you this year.
2: <laughs> Do we want to hit on
0: a third consecutive Tyler here? Oh, dang.
1: There's a lot of Tylers in this running back group.
0: These aren't all the same guys. Talk about Tyler Al al Algier? Is it Algier?
1: This is, like, target Versus Target.
2: No, because that's not. (laughs) Just Target. Because you don't get mad when your (laughs) wife goes shopping at Target.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler Algier. Henry.
2: Yeah,
0: Tyler Algier, 5'11, 224. It's a big power running back. And that's what I saw on tape with him. Noted, Zach Wilson supporter. So he's the former BYU running back. Now I have a note in here that he's a linebacker turned running back, which makes a ton of sense. When you watch the guy, I've heard multiple people say, oh, you know, he could be a third down back in the NFL. That's not what he is to me. He ran a six of the 40. He was a goal line power between the tackles running back when I watched him play. It was, let's be a slow plotter like a Larry Roundtree last year where he's just not going to outrun anyone. He's going to get caught from behind. But you put him on the five-yard line, and he's a big guy.
1: He's looking pretty big.
0: He's <laughs> looking big at 5'11", That's He's
1: looking big.
0: And he's a younger prospect, still younger than 22 years old looking like a fullback to me yeah yeah he he could be
1: he's big but athletic
0: that was the thing is I think uh he kind of didn't test super well until people kind of faded him I don't know what the the love was with Tyler Algier at any given point again I think it was kind of this group talk I don't know if it was the cool ass name people got it in their heads that he was some special receiving back and I just never saw anything out of the receiving game that I was like, yeah, that's going to translate well.
1: Any other notable rookies we want to touch on before we move on to wide receivers?
2: With the NFL draft approaching, I'm just going to throw a couple names out there in a little bit. Just uh, someone to keep an eye on if they go to a pretty sweet landing spot, which we'll talk about later as far as uh, cool landing spots. Any of these guys I think are probably day three guys, but just to keep an eye out, Damian Pierce out of Florida. He's 23, but he's over that 210 mark, a 218, 510. He only ran a 4.5, 9.40, which isn't super sexy, but someone to at least keep an eye on. Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, not known by everybody, but at least this dude's just about 21 and a half. He's two twenties. He's five ten. He's a, a very big dude. <laughs> <laughs> he played behind my last year's favorite and Jared Dokes, my favorite player to drop this season.
3: <laughs> Cut him in a couple months.
1: That late round pick did not pan out quite like some others have. <laughs>
2: yeah, most don't. He's one of the few early declares in this class, but he has a back injury, so at least keep an eye on if uh, he gets appropriate draft capital then probably the back injury isn't too serious. If not, then probably was more serious. He talked about Algier, a linebacker turned running back there from BYU. Did he play play linebacker at all at BYU? Not that I saw.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke a little bit about that, that he played like a linebacker playing mm-hmm. running back. Like Miles Jack, I believe, out of UCL. CLA a couple of years ago for the Jags was a running back turned linebacker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Algier went the wrong direction. So he didn't get a
2: chance to catch any passes from Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, that was also uh, something that I just did not think he was great at that I heard a lot of people say that he was good at was receiving work, and I just never saw it. It was... Let's put him at the 5 and hope that he can slowly get in
2: the end zone. Well, we talked about Sam Howell on the last podcast and how all of his talent around him went pro. Well, when Javante Williams and Michael Carter go pro, Ty Chandler transferred to UNC from Tennessee and picked up where they left off, he ran a 4.38. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, sounds great. He's almost 24 years old right now. So... Tempered expectations once again. If he gets drafted, he's probably going to be a late pick. Just someone to keep an eye on. Know the name. And then jerian Ely. He's 5'8", so he's about an inch shorter than our favorite height. He's sub 200 pounds, 189 pounds, but 21 and a half. Had an Ole Miss. Ran a 4 Someone who was like a five-star prospect back the day. Someone who was more highly touted than he's going to be going in the NFL draft this season, but someone who I at least have on the list as far as just seeing where he goes. He popped a couple times when I was watching
0: Corral Tape. It was, it was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. When they would run a ton of those RPOs, he was at least good enough to make the defense believe that he was a threat to get the ball and run. One more name I will throw out there, former high school teammate of mine, Hassan Haskins, 6'1", uh, up to 220. He was not that big in high school, but he filled out nicely. He put up like 28 reps of the bench. It was unbelievable. Last year at Michigan was really the only year of production that he had, but 1,300 yards and 20 touchdowns. If you're into production, he certainly had production at Michigan. He probably would have ran a four seven five in the forty, so he didn't run a forty. That's not his game. His game is not gonna be outrun people outside runs. It's gonna be oh, let's give it to the six one two twenty pounder. Why do you know what he's gonna run? Yeah, because he ran a four eight seven in high school, and yep. he was not highly recruited. I remember in practices, his brother was a safety for the Rams, uh, Maurice Alexander, and neither of them spoke much. They both had. Very very deep voices, and they were great guys, really. I really do hope he succeeds. Certainly surprising to all of us when he got an offer from Michigan because his only other offers were like UTEP, Northern Michigan, and I believe Memphis. And then out of nowhere, Harbaugh called them up one day and was like, hey, what would you think about being a Wolverine? And everyone was like, he's never going to play. He proved us all wrong, and maybe he proves everyone wrong at the next level.
1: Interesting. Good stuff, Henry. Let's move on to wide receivers. How about some last-minute wide receivers that you might be drafting late in the up-and-coming rookie draft. Henry, who might you be... Targeting late round worth at least mentioning.
0: I think Iowa was chomping at the bit right there to say Jalen Tolbert, and he would be the one I would have my eyes on. Uh, recently, a picture was circulating social media where it was him doing the DK Metcalf pose, and he looks jacked out of his mind. Which he played like he was jacked out of his mind, given it's South Alabama. But he seriously was like the best athlete on the field every snap. It was oh 50 50 ball. Let me just outmuscle this guy, which was weird to see. He ran. 449, uh 6'1, 194, 23 years old. Last year I liked Kwan Baker because of the situation there in New Orleans where they really didn't have any receivers. Seventh round pick. It was the Jalen Tolbert show at South Alabama. They would use Baker as a gadget guy, kind of on and rounds as a flanker, and Tolbert was the X, and he put up some serious numbers at South Alabama.
2: Yeah, my only downside with Tolbert is this guy's twenty-three years old. And played at South Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Strength competition, age, and the fact that you have to stay in college for so long before you go pro to think that you're pro-worthy puts a little bit of a, a yellow flag on there. As Noble was saying here, These are like the wide receivers you take late in your drafts, and the odds are when you take wide receivers late in your draft that almost none of these are going to hit. So if you're thinking, hey, maybe this could be the one that hits, I wouldn't have a problem.
3: If any of these guys that get any kind of capital where they fall into a situation any kind of good system, especially a better organization, a better team, a better coaching staff, they got a shot at being something. And in a range where these are the guys that are going, is a better shot that they're not going to have even a, a profile picture on their rookie page that I'm hitting. I mean... That's how you know. <laughs> you know.
0: I think that was actually the thing I remember about Jalen Tolbert yeah. was I like couldn't find a picture of him for the longest time. It was... Clicked on the South Alabama profile and again, their mascot was like some sort of white bear. I don't want to say they're the polar bears, but it was like some weird looking mascot. And I would click on Tolbert to be like a gray picture. Like the gray like default profile, like not a person. Like, oh, yeah,
3: okay. yeah, I
2: don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I think there there are at least a couple other wide receivers that might go like third round or later in drafts that I'm actually interested in. There's gonna be more than that, but as far as the one specifically I might be interested in would be Khalil Shakir, six foot one ninety-six, just over twenty-two years old, ran a four-four-three from Boise State, and then Calvin Austin. Five foot eight, only 170 pounds, almost 23 years old, but ran a 4.32 out of Memphis. So a couple guys just to know the names of, and if they go to a sweet situation, like everybody loves Packers, they go to the Packers, then all of a sudden this could go from a late round dart to. Roger's new favorite guy, who knows, but a couple names to know.
0: Yeah, five seven and 3 quarters at the Combine. That's Rondale Moore territory. That's Tavon Austin territory. That's, again, he's going to have to be a unicorn for that to work. Like, Jakeem Grant Sr., potentially a punt returner in the league. One of those guys who's going to be smaller, shiftier, ran a blazing 40, but the moment... You ask him to do anything except run really fast in a straight line, he's going to have problems.
3: When you get that small with a wide receiver, it's kind of like a, especially if they get decent capital, it's kind of a trap where you end up thinking he's going to be a wide receiver and he ends up playing a lot of special teams. 2 2 Atwell from last year. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. me to the punch. You know, yeah. Like a second
3: round pick. All of a sudden he's taking you know, <laughs> shooting up draft boards, taken by the Rams, second round. And no.
1: Yeah. That's a guy that would do anything for Henry to tell him he's looking big. <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 160. Yep.
0: I'm not I'm not telling you no. never going to be big <laughs> I look very <laughs> shredded but not big not big
1: Let's move into tight ends. Tight ends is an interesting category in rookie drafts because very few tight ends move into starting positions and put up big numbers year one. Any tight ends that you have your eyes on that are at least worth maybe a late round stash? Henry, let's start with you. Any tight ends you have your eye on?
0: Yeah, gosh. I mean, there's certainly no pal Pitts or even fryer of this class. Yeah, you're not really going to be looking at anyone to take in the first even in the tight end premium league please do not fall victim to well this guy is the best rookie tight end so I'm gonna take a shot I really need a tight end I don't know that you're gonna find one this year my favorite tight end of this class is Jeremy Ruckert but he is not going to probably be a receiving tight end in the league. I think this class has some decent tight ends, like Jalen Weidermeyer, I believe is how you pronounce his name, he was the big name at tight end for a long time, and then he ran like a sub-5 40-yard dash and just kind of fell off boards. Mm-hmm. He was awesome with Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, I'll tell you that, from watching Mond, but I don't know how it translates, and that 40 is pretty damning.
2: Well, Trey McBride from Colorado State won the same tight end award that Kyle Pitts won last year and TJ Hawkinson won the year before. He's probably the most sought after tight end after the combine, which you said Wittemeyer yeah was previously being mocked as the tight end one over Trey McBride and then the combine happened and then now it's Trey McBride and everybody's forgetting about Wittemeyer. Trey McBride could it be the Pat Fryermuth of this draft class? Potentially. Like you said, there's no Kyle Pitts this draft right back. But if there's someone who's kind of like freakishly athletic, kind of like a Kyle Pitts, it might be like a Jelaney Woods. This guy's you know, 6'5, 259. And if you go on Player Profiler, all the bars are big. He's fast. He's also almost 24 years old, but you expect tight ends to break out a little later. So Ben Charlie Kohler. I saw him specifically playing, you know, against Iowa for Iowa State. Obviously, a pass catching tight end has been hyped for a little while, kind of like during Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, also hyped for a little while, but Mm -hmm. I mean, they're probably going to be day three guys and darts at the end of your rookie draft that you drop two weeks into the season. I just, firm philosophy that I just don't want to get my tight ends in the rookie draft. I'll either get them off waivers or via trade once I know for sure what they are, but if you're going after tight ends in your rookie draft, Trey McBride is my favorite one. Kohler, Ruckert, Woods, even Dulich are darts you could throw at a tight end position
3: i mean i'm with you on that i just think that taking a tight end late a rookie draft especially when it's not a position when they're not getting like first round capital that's going to be producing right away then you got to put them on your taxi and then you got to wait a couple of years to see if they even have a shot at panning out And usually by the time that happens, you cut them already and you wasted your pick. I'd rather just go ahead and buy either aging options with those picks or, you know, get yourself a decent tight end. It's just not a a really big hit rate on taking a, a tight end late in your draft.
2: I'm so with you there. If we could just take a second to talk about it there. Like, I've seen it touted by fantasy football analysts that oh, this is a perfect candidate for your taxi squad. Maybe their taxi squad's lock or whatever, but, I mean, what's the upside of your tight end hitting? That he ends up being as good as the best guy you could have got off waivers that next season?
3: Mm-hmm. When you're taking a guy that late, like the upside is what, a tight end too, and you paid a third, fourth round pick on them, they sat on your taxi for two years, wasted a spot, and then you caught him when you could have just gotten somebody. Mm-hmm.
2: I'd rather take five different running backs and hope that I get the Khalil Herbert out of those running backs in the fourth and
3: fifth oh, round. Oh, definitely. Because two running backs can get hurt on a team. One mm-hmm. running back can get hurt on a team. And they still have that same offensive line and they're just going to run the ball. I mean, look at like a guy like Tyson Williams, who is not good at football <sighs> and still puts up a huge week and everybody goes all over him. And then he's completely irrelevant. A tight end's not going to do that when they're not developed. They're, you're not going to go ahead and, you know, take some fifth, sixth, seventh round on tight end, throw him on the Chiefs' offense. Kelsey goes down, and all of a sudden you have a tight end. One, not going to happen. Yeah. That there's that upside isn't there.
1: So if I was to sum up this last uh, discussion, basically when we're getting into the le- the late round draft picks, and we're throwing darts (laughs) at this running backs are who you guys value as far as the guys you're going to take a chance on more. So I don't know if this is class specific or in general, but Are you saying running backs are probably going to be the more valuable dart throws in late round picks?
2: I'd say so. I mean, definitely. 99% of the time. If your league has like infinite bench, I can understand maybe why you hold tight ends. If you're taking those fourth and fifth round draft picks, the odds of them making your roster aren't even great by week one because you're probably going to have to cut people. So you want to pick players that you're going to know, hopefully by week one, whether you want to hold them on your roster. Like taking James Robinson in the last pick of your draft, if something happens to the starting running back, then maybe I've got somebody, and then it hits. If you take Jacob Harris last year, hoping, this is just a rotting roster spot. Me, I'm active on the waivers. I'd rather have something where either I know I want to hold it going into week one, or after week one, I know I want to hold it, or I'm cutting it loose to pick up whatever's hot next on the waiver wire.
3: And just something for, like, more casual people. I know, like, a lot of casual, like, at-home leagues and stuff will kind of do a rookie draft, a fast draft, where you don't have, like, time to kind of really look into and put thought into your pick. One of the worst things you can do is just... Pick a guy and not look at anything about him. I mean, if you're at the point and you have to make a quick decision on a pick, look at the draft capital, look at the situation, and kind of look at their size. Don't just take a player to take a player. You know, put a a little bit of thought about it. You don't have to know all of the late-round guys. You know, not every league's going to have that, but if you're in the fifth round, and look at somebody who has a shot to do something. You know, don't take somebody who's 5'6 and 140 pounds or, you know, wasn't even drafted. Put some thought into it. Definitely. I
0: think another name that pops out to me for the case of taking running backs is Jason Huntley. Not to be confused with Caleb Huntley from last year, but Jason Huntley was a fifth-round pick by the Detroit Lions back in, like, 2020, I want to say, the DeAndre Swift class, maybe the year prior, but he was a fifth-round pick, and he didn't even make the 53-man opening day roster, so that's someone you can cut and then pick up Makai Sargent or Javion Hawkins or Caleb Huntley. It's a roster spot that you can open up. It's a flyer, hey, maybe this guy shows out in camp and is awesome. Maybe he's the Aaron Jones, the Jamal Williams, he's the fifth round pick that performs better than the second round pick that everyone thought was going to be better nope I can cut him and move on
2: yep so which cost you more the pick you took in the fourth round that you ended up cutting before the season started or the pick you took in the fourth round that you end up cutting after the whole first season
0: yeah definitely the pick that clogged your roster when you said Mm -hmm. Trey McBride I couldn't help but think of Trey McKitty from (laughs) the Chargers third round pick from Georgia I believe And he was another roster-clogging tight end, you know, like Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, who didn't even wind up being anything in New England, and they were fourth-round picks. Noah Gray is still a favorite dynasty stash of many. It's like, how's how's he been on your bench for... The entirety of last year. Just not there. Callan Grant and Tommy Tremble. It's like all these guys. Once you get past the first two rounds of tight end, it's like, I don't want to hold this guy for three
3: years. Yep. And your apps like ADP will mess with that because you'll kind of start getting into the deeper receivers and running backs. And then all of a sudden you have tight ends as the highest ADP and they're not going to be anything. You know, you kind of, if you're just looking at the ADP, you can't really trust that because they're kind of going to get pushed up when some of the sleepers are still under the
2: Yep, and there's going to be vets that are in their late 20s. They're going to be free agents at tight end that are going to suddenly have an opportunity to be relevant. Or mid-30s. Yeah, Jared Cook. Yeah, Yeah, that you can pick (laughs) up rather than trying to stash and find the next tight end. So if the upside isn't elite, then you're probably better served to be picking a different position other than tight end at the end of your rookie drafts.
3: I mean, speaking of taxi, like if your taxis do lock, I mean, I am a big, I'm a firm believer in putting players on your taxi that you do not plan on cutting, that are definitely going to be part of your team the following year. You're know you not going to want to put like guys that you want to wait on two or three years, see what happens. You're going to want to put guys that are definitely going to be on your team or not going to be cuttable on your taxi because you want to be able to churn those bench spots. You want to have those players on your bench spots. So if you need to add somebody, you need to make a move. You're not messing with your taxi. You're not messing with how many players you can roster.
1: Let's move into arguably one of the most important aspects we can talk about size. We can talk about stats. We can talk about all of these items that make a player good, but one of the most important things at the end of the day is going to be landing spots. Where these players end up getting drafted, which teams these players end up getting drafted on that could make or break their entire career. So let's get into the discussion of landing spots. What, starting with quarterbacks, Nick, let's start with you. What's your most interesting spot for a quarterback to be drafted this year?
2: There are several teams that, if a quarterback goes there, I'm going to be super interested. But probably my top one is going to be Seattle, just because Drew Locke hasn't been anything that you could tout with any kind of confidence. I understand there's reports that they may try to get a rookie QB and roll with Locke for a year and then go for a high pick next year, which that would would be a successful strategy for a high pick rolling with Locke for a year as far as I'm concerned but Seattle you've got some pretty sweet wide receivers if you throw to Metcalf more than like Russell Wilson more along the lines of the Jets quarterback whatever his name was
1: that guy <laughs>
0: That's Zach Wilson. No, no, the former Jets quarterback. Oh, uh, Alex Magoo
2: or
1: Magoo? It's a name.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a name.
2: Geno Smith. The Geno Smith, right? So Geno Smith re-signed with Seattle. Yep, and he hyper targeted Metcalf. He was serviceable. So Flock did the same thing. It'd probably be okay for Metcalf. But we're talking about the rookies here. If that if a rookie lands there, that would be ideal as far as at least having a solid set of wide receivers to throw to there. And Noah Fant as well. Yeah. it's a name worth mentioning. If you've ever heard of him or if you by chance happen to be a Hawkeye fan.
3: Yeah. Fant is great. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. <laughs> And Fant said he was a, he's a downfield threat, so you gotta take his word for it.
2: Yep. <laughs> he's a
0: wide receiver playing tight end. Yep. He really is. He's not all that tall. He's just big.
1: Mike, what is your most interesting landing spot as far as a QB goes in the draft this year?
3: My absolute favorite landing spot for a quarterback this year is Pittsburgh. One, you got Claypool, you got Deontay, you got Friarmouth, you got Najee. But the most important thing you have is one of the longest reigning head coaches in the nfl mike tomlin Mm -hmm. and what you want to go ahead and build a great quarterback and i think this like opens them up to being able to take pretty much any quarterback because they'll be able to develop them really well Is having a great organization a great coaching staff and a great system in place and their system's been in place a long time so the players that kind of need development like you know guys we're really high on like malik i think they would be a great fit there having tomlin they also have trubisky maybe trubisky is the week one starter like darnold kind of gives them you know eases them in throughout the preseason but i just think they have have all of the tools to kind of succeed there. It's not like like a a rough team with no wide receivers, a a coach on its way out, a losing team. They're just a solid organization. Very excited for any quarterback to go there.
1: Yeah, so the missing link is really the quarterback at this point.
3: An offensive line, but (laughs) quarterback definitely. Could be argued as the best
2: QB landing spot.
1: Uh, And Henry, uh, how about you? Most interesting spot for a quarterback to land in the rookie draft this year?
2: If we're talking about
0: quarterbacks landing somewhere and playing early think Iowa nailed it with Seattle they would definitely be looking for a day one guy, and Pittsburgh is certainly good to develop. Both of them have very storied coaches that have won a Super Bowl and are proven to be good coaches. Atlanta overperformed last year, and Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Obviously, he's no longer there, but their receiving core is so depleted, and they brought back Cordero Patterson. They have Pitts, and then it's Olamide Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus and a whole lot of nobody's even lost. Like Russell Gage, Auden Tate, yeah, Auden Tate, <laughs> former Bengal. Uh, it's a
1: favorite of mine and Nick's.
0: <laughs> to me, Atlanta is certainly a quarterback destination. I'm not a big Marcus Mariota career resurgence believer.
1: Hey, I won a championship with Marcus Mariota as my quarterback. It's notable.
0: (laughs) You know, he's definitely better for fantasy. He's kind of like a Terod Taylor where he's got the wheels and not necessarily the greatest arm in the world. I think Atlanta certainly is one where I see someone going in there and becoming the starter very quickly over Mariota.
1: That was the year Carson Palmer and Marcus Mariota were my two quarterbacks. That was my first ever championship when It was a redraft league. And uh, I won with those two, which Carson Palmer had like a ridiculous. This year.
0: Almost won the MVP on the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, so it was more Carson Palmer than it was Marcus Mariota, but uh, I started out with Peyton Manning, and that went downhill in a hurry. <laughs> I think
0: many people look at Atlanta, and they understand the need for a quarterback and receiver and a lot of help, and they're kind of a rebuilding team. Carolina is often one that's thrown out there for quarterback, and it certainly makes sense with Darnold being the guy there right now, and their their owner, David Tepper, I believe, says that he wants to find a franchise quarterback. He was heavily involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, as were all these teams, including New Orleans. But a team that will probably take a quarterback, they do have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, Christian McCaffrey. They've got the weapons. It just is so scary to me that Atlanta, I look and I go, Arthur Smith, I believe is a good coach, and he runs a good offense. He was very successful in Tennessee, reviving Tannehill's career and he kind of runs a system that you can get behind Carolina on the other hand with Matt Rule feels like it's his last year as the coach there if he doesn't turn it around in a hurry fired their offensive coordinator Joe Brady early in the year last year midway through the year last year because they weren't happy with how the offense was being run and watching the Carolina games last year was like I've seen this exact play six times this game like, seriously, do you not have that big of a play call sheet so where you can at least make the play look similar and it's something different? It just became so predictable, and I question Matt Rule's ability to kind of design an offense for a young quarterback to succeed. And so Carolina, to me, is kind of a scary
3: trap spot for a quarterback.
2: Because it's being ruled with a flimsy fist.
3: <sighs> I mean, Atlanta and Carolina bolts kind of scare me with a lot of the quarterbacks. I think there's really only one quarterback that can go to either of those teams that I'd be pretty happy with because he's pro But I I just, I don't want to see the guys that like, you know, need work and, you know, need need Mm -hmm. development, you know, like Corral going there. I'm fine. You know, I think he'll be okay there. I think he'll be fine for their second coach in the second year. But like sending Malik there that that that's scary to me. That's a guy I want to take 102 and seeing him go to an organization that's just kind of a mess with no tools. I just don't want to.
1: Didn't yeah. Carolina just w- wasn't weren't they looking, or did they just sign a quarterback, somebody that wasn't real exciting? But
2: they just traded for Sam Darnold last year.
1: Nah, there was somebody else. And they signed there your that
2: favorite was... Cam Newton. S-
1: just stop, stop <laughs> before I have to dry heave on this podcast. <laughs> Okay, let's move into spots to start by the end of the season. So, Henry, if you were to pick a team that may draft a quarterback that will start sooner rather than later, let's say before the end of the season, what team would you think would be that team to draft that quarterback?
0: I've only heard it from a couple people, and I recently heard it from Daniel Jeremiah on a mock draft he did with a YouTuber by the name of Bangle, where he threw out, The Tennessee Titans. And it wasn't the first time I'd heard it, but even Daniel Jeremiah said, that he thought he was one of the first people to mention it. The Titans have a significant out after the year with Tannehill, and now they had the most injured team last year and were still the number one seed. You could argue in large part to the stability of Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. No Derrick Henry, uh, Julio Jones went down, so they had Deontay Foreman and Nick Westbrook-Akeen, but the Titans, to me, if Tannehill plays like he did in the playoff game where he threw three interceptions and almost single-handedly cost them the game, your defense gets you nine sacks and turns Burrow over, a couple times, you should be able to win that game. And it's not a question of, is Tannehill the problem? But when you're paying a guy $30 million a year, and you're at pick 27 in the draft, and you go, we could take a guy at the end of the draft who could sit for a year or sit most of the year, like a Sam Howell, and he's young, 21 years old, and pay him $3 million a year over the next four years, is that not worth the chance that he develops and we save $27 million against the cap each year for the next four years over Tannehill I think it could be an interesting spot
2: I would push back slightly that Tennessee might not be the best spot to have a rookie start by the end of the season Mm -hmm. but I would agree that there's a chance that if they take like a Sam Howell that they're much more willing to get rid of a Tannehill next year if they paid up for a Sam Howell in this year's draft to sit behind Tannehill all year certainly a
0: lot of teams that are gonna like groom a rookie quarterback you wouldn't expect them to come into the starting role unless the starters playing terribly or or they're eliminated or they're eliminated and you wouldn't imagine that's going to be Tennessee as they're the number one so you can get to play Mm -hmm. Jacksonville and the Texans four times a year Mm -hmm. so perhaps sits a whole year
1: It looks like Sam Howell has been visiting with Carolina.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Carolina's visited with all the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think all these quarterbacks have visited probably with about six, seven
2: teams.
1: Nick, how about you? What team might be drafting a quarterback that will start before the end of the season?
2: When we posted our ranks on the internet this week, some of the pushback was that Jameis Winston should be higher. And the reason I don't have Jameis Winston higher is because, one, they went and signed QB1 Andy Dalton. We all know that story, Mm -hmm. but why do you sign QB1 Andy Dalton when you have Ian Book and you have Taysom Hill, who you're pushing to a tight end? Why do you go and sign an Andy Dalton? Maybe it's because Jameis Winston isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season, and you need another quarterback to play there. So if they have Andy Dalton and Ian Book and Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, are they going to draft a QB? I don't know, but they did pull off that trade recently with the Eagles to move one spot ahead of the Eagles, and they did it well before the draft, which usually you don't do that unless you're like trying to go up to get a QB. I don't know that it necessarily locks New Orleans into drafting a QB, but if they were to draft a QB this year, Winston isn't getting paid the world. No quarterback on there is getting paid the world. So if they draft someone, especially somebody who's one of these top five quarterbacks that we like, I think there's at least a chance that by the end of the season, considering New Orleans, the remainder of their roster is a little depleted maybe they're eliminated by the end of the season so maybe the rookie that they draft would have an opportunity to start by the end of the season for this year so Excluding the four other teams, Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Seattle that we mentioned, New Orleans would be another option where if they drafted one of the top five rookie QBs, I could see them starting by the end of the season.
0: I like the point that perhaps they could start by the end of the season. The way I would see that happening is that the Winston turnovers rear their ugly head. It wouldn't necessarily be to me that New Orleans would be eliminated. It would be Jameis Winston has cost them a couple games trying to pull off late game heroics and doing something stupid a la Carson Wentz sometimes the saints it seems like they traded up for those picks to not take a quarterback like they think they're two good first rounders away uh they are 4-0 against the bucks in the last two years in the regular season you look at carolina atlanta they can beat them i think new orleans believes that they are a playoff team perhaps a couple starters away from really being a competitive Rostered, and they beat the Bucks with Trevor Simeon twice last year. Trevor Simeon and then Taysom Hill like in a 9-0 game. You look at the defense, they have Lattimore, I brought in Marcus May from the Jets. Uh, they have Cameron Jordan still, Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins, I believe, still. They're certainly an interesting team. If a quarterback were to land there, I would definitely be interested, though.
2: I saw something that along the lines of what you just said in the headlines that they thought there were a couple players away, and that's why they were trading up to get those picks. Could be a smoke screen. Yeah. Could be looking through Jameis colored glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mike, any teams that stand out to you that might draft a quarterback that starts before the end of the season?
3: Yeah. The giants perhaps. Yeah. That's actually where I was going to go. I know it's not in that section. I'll be prefaced by saying I'm probably the, the highest on Daniel Jones, like in the community. I, I think this is his QB1 season. I'm very excited about the changes they've made at GM, at coach. I'm excited for the draft, but I need to be realistic. And when a team picks five and a team picks like seven, they could definitely take a quarterback and a tackle there. And Jones has been disappointing on a disappointing team for a few years now since his rookie year. While well, I think he's got great rushing upside, I think he's got a great arm. Been tough for him for a couple of years. It's possible that they do take a quarterback either in one of those early firsts, or maybe they get a guy like Howell early in the second. Maybe things don't pan out for Jones there with the new system, the new coach. Maybe they bring in some offensive line help in the draft. That still doesn't change things. I could definitely see if they draft a quarterback, them starting by the end of the season. Or he gets hurt like he has every other year.
1: How about any teams that may end up drafting a quarterback that probably won't play at all next year, but might be worth having a quarterback on that team who may eventually get a start. Any teams stick out to you, Henry, in that situation?
0: I think the one most people are going to kind of clamor for is going to be Tampa Bay. Obviously, they took Kyle Trask at the end of the second last year. It doesn't sound like they're in love with them, and they keep bringing back Blaine Gabbert to be the backup. Clearly, he's not ready to be the starter if Brady were to go down as of right now. Maybe they just don't like him at all, and so they look for another guy to groom. I think Trask is a little older, and it's alarming that he hasn't developed developed. Coaching change, obviously there in Tampa, along with New Orleans that we didn't quite mention, where Bruce Arians and Sean Payton both step down and uh, elevate Bowles and Dennis Allen. So maybe Bowles falls in love with someone and thinks he can take him and be his quarterback of the future. Arians is still in the front office though,
3: so I think that's kind of be a, like a lesser thing here. Yeah, like
0: step down and promoted. There is some weird shenanigans going on there, but he can't stand for four hours anymore.
1: <laughs> so these are going to be teams with quarterbacks that are either. Pro- probably likely to retire in the next couple years or maybe don't have a strong quarterback right now starting for him that we could be getting a quarterback in line for that starting role so Mike, any teams that stand out to you in that situation?
3: Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, Washington, Carson Wentz, had, he was kind of awful in Philly at the end when they had kind of nothing going on. He goes to Indianapolis, and he does well. Uh, he puts up solid numbers all year, and then the kind of whole season kind of gets blamed on the guy, and they're, they're trying to kind of find a way out. I mean, I really think it was like, hey, it's, it, it's you, Frank, or, or it's Carson, and they just got rid of Carson Wentz, and mm-hmm. he's on Washington now, so he's, and they didn't pay a significant amount of capital for him. It's very likely that they could draft a quarterback, and if they do, I just suspect that Carson Wentz has a decent year. The guy ends up sitting and... You know, maybe when the contract runs out, that's somebody to look into. The Colts, potentially.
2: I think it's a possibility. Uh, Anytime your league quarterback is 38 years old, I think the Colts, like you said, with Tennessee, probably the number one in that division, their only competition will probably be the Colts, who just signed Stephon Gilmore and traded for Matt Ryan. I think they're still trying to win this year. So, if they take a QB, there's a good chance it could be a Jimmy Garoppolo situation that even if that QB they think is better than Matt Ryan, he's probably not going to play for this season or at least until the Colts would be, like, eliminated.
1: Now, in those situations where they let's say take a quarterback to have start in the next couple years are you using a, a taxi spot let's say for one of those quarterbacks if it's a team that's drafting a rookie that you feel could get a start are you using a taxi spot in those situations
3: i'm using the taxi in those situations if i if i'm confident that that's a player that i'm going to keep if they're getting early draft capital and there's a chance they're going to be starting by the end of the year yeah that's my t- taxi guy. Maybe he sits the whole year, he stays on a taxi. Players I'm not putting on my taxi are players that I could cut. The end of my roster players, so that I can still promote the player off the taxi if I need to. So let's say Indianapolis drafts a quarterback, or they put an early second round pick on him. That's a taxi stash for me. Someone, yeah, I can call up, but I'm not cutting him, so I don't ever need to open that spot up, but if I do need him, I can call him up.
0: When you talk about mid-round quarterbacks, I think we get so obsessed with these five, and really the only other name that comes to mind as a mid-round quarterback this year is Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. He kind of fits that Case Keenum, Kellen Moore, more the name I was looking for, mold where he had a ton of yards and a pass-happy air raid offense in college. They kind of tried reinventing the wheel of an offense. Can clearly sling it. It's a question of does that even remotely translate to the NFL? Probably not. Uh, Kind of a Gardner Minshew situation where he was with uh, Coach Mike Leach there up in Washington State where they ran the air raid. Someone that could come in, have a decent understanding of passing schemes and become a developmental piece.
2: That's a prime example of a QB that I'm typically not trying to take and stash. But to your point that as far as QBs you're taking, would you be willing to put them on your taxi? If I think a QB, if they're a starter, I would actually be playing them. Then those are good taxi stashes for me. That's the same logic behind not stashing a tight end. Because there's if you're putting them on your taxi, because you're probably not going to be playing a Mods are you're not going to be playing them all year. And then maybe not the next year. So it's like, mm, I don't know if tight end is what I would have put on there. Now, QB, pretty much if you're a QB and you're a starter that week, you're worth rostering and potentially worth playing, depending on who's on by and what you have on your team. So stashing QBs where if a starter went down, they'd be the starter. Those are targets I like to have, but I like to avoid the Jake Fromms of the world mm. and the Jacob Eason's of the world where... Who how they played yeah, last year. Right? Right? Yeah.
0: And sucked. Did he really, though? Ian Ian Book <laughs> as well is another name where it's, yeah. you know, Kellen Mond obviously kind of burned some Yeah, vehicle. you had
2: him on your taxi. Yeah, you activated him when they were the starter. Yeah, yeah. you could have started any flex wide receiver three and been, scored more points than these guys. So... I try to avoid that level of QB And for this class It's what you said there With Bailey Zapp And then like Akeel Glass Hmm. Cone from Notre Dame Also could be drafted Rather than just like Simply undrafted I would not be wanting To put these guys on my taxi They're just not good enough He reminds me a lot of Clayton Thorson From years past (laughs) I think he went to Like the Giants In like the fifth round And just
0: wound up Is he that big? He plays like that (laughs) He plays like In the pocket Stand still Just over the top motion mm-hmm. just as like Philip Rivers like a statue. Like the hefty lefty?
2: I have him in here as a 4-9. I don't know if that's the right 40. Jared Lorenzen? 4 nine 40, <laughs> That sounds about right
0: for Jack Cohen. I'm surprised it wasn't sub-5 to be honest. Is he
1: looking big? Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, if he's looking anything.
0: <laughs> he's looking tall. <laughs> he's looking very tall. He's looking downfield. Uh I think another interesting one about next year would be Philly. Now, They obviously give up the first rounder this year to New Orleans and gain another first rounder next year and some capital weird trade back. Perhaps... That is a move where they go, we're punting this year. We thought last year that we just over-performed, limped into the playoffs, and got killed by the Bucks. Just killed. And so they go, hmm, maybe we can take a quarterback this year and the first and play him next when we get more capital. Again, kind of a, a hard situation to really say that they'd take one this year and then wait till next year to add more. Yeah. But certainly a team that seems like they're kind of giving up on this year by giving up that
3: capital. I mean, uh, same idea, like with what you're saying, but the complete opposite. I think they went and moved that pick back to 23 so that they have a little extra capital there where it's supposed to be more of a quarterback strong class. I know they're still very high on a lot of things that Jalen did last year, and I think they really want to see that develop. So I I really see them running with Jalen this year and not drafting a quarterback, but they're playing a little smart. and I think they're setting themselves up to have a little more capital the following year and what's supposed to be this strong class for quarterbacks where they can potentially move up and Get one if they do need B.
0: If they were fully committed to M, it is somewhat of a question where you go. Would they have wanted to stay in those mid-picks and add a Kyle Hamilton at safety, add a Garrett Wilson a receiver, and add a tackle? They could add three potential stud starters and just push all their chips to the center. They
3: still have two mid-picks. It's not like they dumped everything. They just don't have three. So, to your point, if
2: they really believed in Jalen Hurts, they would have tried to build around him, and this move isn't building around Jalen Hurts. It's preparing to be without Jalen Hurts a year later. It seems like it's
0: a move for the future, and maybe Jalen Hurts is that future, and they're just like, hey, we're not ready roster-wise this year, but next year you just don't know but it's one of those situations where it feels a little ambiguous mm-hmm.
3: I think it's more of an insurance policy yep. I mean I have no idea how I'm the highest in our group on Jalen Hurts
0: <laughs> just, barely. just <laughs> barely I don't
3: know how that happened <laughs> Yeah, highest on Hurts and Daniel Jones somehow well obviously Jones
0: obviously, uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously. That would make obviously. Sense. I love Daniel Jones too it's that, a weird one to me because I love Daniel Jones coming out and I love the day ball thing where he worked with Josh Allen and really made him from what he was his Rookie year where he was inaccurate and kind of all over the place and kind of settled them down. And if Jones could play more within the realm of the offense, hard to say when you know the offensive line is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if they could
3: build that team around him, I like that. I think that offensive line could be great with another tackle, maybe moving, you know, Andrew Thomas over. Or kicking him inside. They did sign a couple they signed like four dart throws at guard and interior offensive line this offseason, so maybe two or three of them pan out. Uh Saquon is Second year after an ACL, maybe Galladay is a little healthy. Maybe Tony's healthy. Shepard, I'm not too concerned with Shepard, but uh, Tony and Galladay though—that's really exciting for me. And I'm really excited to go and you know see that offense kind of finally come together. I don't think Daniel Jones has had a shot. I think he's got as much talent as anyone in the league. He's got a strong arm. He's got those great legs. He is fast. People forget how fast he is. They completely ignore that, but.
2: We'll see if they can rub two nickels together and get a Danny dimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, the joke of him tripping him tripping over his legs.
0: It's only because he's so fast yeah. that he was able to get to that speed. Too many like, watch that play.
1: <laughs> Baby jaffs giraffe syndrome.
0: <laughs> I believe it was against Philly where he's like running down the field. And he's just, he's like 10, 15 yards ahead. I mean, if if you're so fast that you're running away from DBs and safeties to the point where you can trip and roll for six yards before anyone catches up to you, you had a
3: sizable (laughs) need. I think he should race Scotty Miller. (laughs) Yeah. The fastest
2: player in the league, Scotty Miller. I know you and I play opposites for Jalen Hurts, and one might assume that I'd be the highest on Jalen Hurts. The reason why I want Jalen Hurts to do as well as he can is because I have so much. And my investment point was end of the second, beginning of the third, a couple of years ago on Ricky Drafts. So that's part of why you hear the arguments for Hurts from me specifically is that I have a, a high percentage of shares, but it's understandable that I might not be the highest regardless of my shares. I try to be realistic about it, and you made some really good points that... Next year, they might take a QB. Mike made some really good points that this is basically the prove-it year. Like, if he can prove it this year, then they might not take a QB next year. Mm-hmm.
1: It might Hurts, and it might not.
2: Mm-hmm. Who, who was his wide receiver to last year? Yeah. Quez
1: Watkins, it was, uh, baby! Quez
2: Watkins. It
0: was, yeah. it was definitely Quez. Yeah. It's, a- it's interesting because I like Jalen Hurts as a guy, and that's really why he took the job from Wentz, in my opinion, was Wentz was kind of this locker room headache. He had many arguments with Doug Peterson probably over how the offense was being run how the team was being constructed why do you spend a second round pick on another quarterback and he kind of let that bother him and Jalen Hurts is often the most mature adult in the room when you see him speak about something, it's always a very mature answer. It's, <laughs> you know, we had a bad game. We just dump it and move on to the next one. Sometimes it comes off a little crass, but mm-hmm. I think if Washington gets a quarterback added where it could be a locker room problem mm-hmm. where it's like, Hey, uh, we really like this other guy more because we don't really like
2: Carson <laughs> as a guy. You like how he talks to the media more than maybe Minshew. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> He's a good PR guy to have. Uh,
2: He's got the right
1: mindset.
0: He, his mindset was reminiscent of Dak to me, where Dak in every interview, every everything, is always like he's got the right mentality, never too high, never too low, of just steady, consistent, same guy, not going to play the blame game, going to take the onus on himself. And so that's one of the reasons I think that we see Hurts succeed.
1: Well, it sounds like he's a good leader.
0: That's what it is. is he's a He really is a good locker room presence.
1: Which I think shouldn't be underestimated. I mean, you, you're you the leader on the field, and if you can keep all those guys in a good mindset, it'll take you far as well. Do you want me to do this almost like a lightning round? I mean, I hate to do that yep. because you guys love running backs. but let's,
0: let's do it. Lightning round it.
1: How about the top most interesting spots? this year for the rookie draft. Mike, let's start with you. What are your top most interesting spots?
3: Absolute top spot, Buffalo. With early capital, you get a solid running back in Buffalo. I think that's just the piece they're missing. May hurt Josh Allen a little bit with his rushing touchdowns, but I'd love to see like Kenneth Walker there, even Brees Hall there. Any top running back with significant capital to Buffalo, I'm in on that.
1: Henry, how about your top most interesting spot?
0: Gosh, I guess the Jets for me and I obviously liked Mike Carter a ton last year and I just think that he is best served as a compliment where he's not going to be a 25 carry a game guy. They kind of want to split up that load. That seems like what the Jets, the Jets run the San Francisco offense where it seems like they're kind of more of a West coast like, let's run the ball. And I think if you have a stable of backs, you're best served like that. Like Carter, more like a Darren
2: Sproles. Possibly.
1: Nick, what do you got for an interesting spot this year?
2: Mike's at Buffalo, and I think that's super interesting because they have... Single Singletary, Zach Moss, and then just went and signed Duke Johnson as a free agent. Tried to sign McKissick. Yep, I tried to sign McKissick, and he changed his mind. You know, Chef's McKissick goodbye and went back to Washington.
3: Moss was awful. Singletary's had years to kind of figure things out and just finally hit for a short period this year I I don't think they could really go ahead and say no to get one of the top two running backs in this draft if they can get them in the second round especially. And that's exactly
2: it if it's one of these top two guys that would be awesome to get them in Buffalo one of the best teams in the NFL as far as the New York Jets I think that's another interesting spot because they don't have a whole lot of draft capital wrapped up in Michael Carter there. They still have LeMichael P. Ryan as far as irrelevancy goes. (sighs) They signed back old man Tevin Coleman and I'm pretty sure they still have Ty Johnson too is that right
3: they do yeah
2: so they still have the four guys there nobody with a whole lot of investment if they were to invest in one of the top couple guys that would be an ideal landing spot if they invest in like a middle range guy might be a little bit different but as far as interesting spots that one's definitely interesting but for mine the one I'm going to go with is going to be the Houston Texans because I think no matter what running back lands there we're going to want that running back Houston Texans are going to suck, yes. Usually you want the running back on a team that's winning so that they're getting lots of carries, yes, they get that as well. They have Marlon Mack and Burkhead and Agumba Wale and some uh, Scotty Phillips. Their running back core is not the sweetest, so literally any running back that gets dropped in there could end up being like all the way up to the bell cow as far as possibilities. Or they could be splitting with Mack or splitting in a three-way with Burkhead. No matter what, pretty much any running back that goes there I'm going to be kind of interested in because the opportunity is wide open for the Houston Texans
1: splitting in a three-way let's roll into compliments (laughs) Nick let's stick with you real quick how about a relevant compliment 1A 1B with day one or day two draft capital
2: we already talked about Buffalo you think that could be like a split same deal with like the Jets with Carter and I'll take the Dolphins which they signed Chase Edmonds to not a big deal they signed Raheem Mostert to not a big deal they still have somebody named Gaskin if you've ever heard of him I don't know if we've ever mentioned him on every single podcast at least six times but heard
1: uh, of him. <laughs> you know I've heard of him <laughs>
2: Yes, the most talked about RB4 in the NFL for sure.
1: (laughs) I feel like we should be best friends, Miles, if you're listening.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If an RB lands there, they could be splitting either in a three-way committee, which would suck, or maybe Chase Edmonds ends up winning as soon as Mostert plays two quarters and gets injured, and then it's a split between Chase Edmonds and whatever RB they draft. I think it's going to need to be like an RB with like day one or day two capital unless they hit on something sweet late in day three possibility for a running back landing on the miami dolphins to be on a pretty good team with a pretty good defense good chance of winning and no established stud to beat out for the main gig or at least a a robin gig to a batman gig
1: i beg to differ but anyway moving right along (laughs) there's a stud on miami
2: oh okay of course (laughs)
1: oh henry how about you relevant compliment
2: i like the idea
0: of the arizona cardinals adding someone obviously they extended james Conner to a three-year deal more like a two-year deal uh for all intents and purposes but he's 6'1 230 off the top of my head he's an underrated pass catcher he's a good goal line back he had like 15 plus rushing touchdowns last year Arizona is one of the higher flying offenses in the league and every year they have a good running back whether it be Kenyon Drake uh James Connor the Kyler Murray offense seems to produce some good production there so James Connor could go down to injury at any given point we saw it in Pittsburgh we saw it uh did not really see it last year but we saw like a weird turf toe thing while he was like mowing his lawn or something in the offseason
2: you don't mow
0: turf yeah it seems like we're one one weird headline away from james connor kind of fading back into the injury prone guy that he, he was so to me arizona would be relevant simply because of
2: what you could produce and Eno you know benjamin hasn't been anything special
1: mike How you wanna weigh in on your team of choice for a relevant compliment?
3: My team of choice. I gotta pick one. I'm gonna go with Seattle. I'm not super excited about Chris Carson as his age coming back from a neck injury and Rashad Penny playing a full season because he never has. I know people are very excited about him after that six week stretch at the end of the year, but that's probably a sell high for me. I'm excited about anybody going to Seattle because I think they'll probably end up with the bulk of the carries throughout the season. Even if if it's not one of the top two guys, maybe they get one of the other guys in like third or fourth round. I just think they'll end up being the guy sometime this year if they don't add anyone else. I really like the Saints
0: as well, just because Kamara is obviously a receiving back and he can handle 20 carries a game, but he was best served in his career, in my opinion, when he had Mark Ingram or Latavius Murray on his team. And they've been proven to be able to sustain two RBs. That would be a fantastic spot for Walker. Oh man.
2: It seems illogical when they have a Khmer on the roster, but if Kamara is suspended, literally any rookie that lands there is probably better than Tony Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and Latavius Murray is a free agent, even not that his thirty year old carcass matters. Yeah, him and Ingram are like thirty two yeah. 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 So whatever running back ends up there, if Kamara is suspended, that running back is gonna be relevant at least those six weeks or whatever that he's suspended, so definitely interested in a New Orleans running back, and there is one more spot we didn't say there before we move on, Noble, if you would be so kind as to let us discuss the Chargers with Eckler. Henry, I know you've got some interesting points here. I won't take them from here. Tell me.
0: Yeah, similar concept to uh, Kamara, except more so. Uh, Eckler last year had an outlier number of touchdowns. I want to say 20 combined through the ground and the air. He had a career high 206 attempts. That's 70 higher than he's ever had. Uh, 911 yards. Again, like 400 more than he's ever had. And nine more rushing touchdowns than he's ever had. Seriously, like he had 12. Most he'd had before that was three. He's not a goal line running back. He's not a first and second down running back. They need to bring someone in. They've been trying to get someone to do it. They had Justin Jackson for a while. They had Joshua Kelly in the fourth round, Larry Roundtree in the sixth round. No one's done it, and so it kind of fell to Eckler. And Eckler every year gets 80 targets, 70 receptions, and that's awesome. And he can still be awesome for fantasy. He has a weirdly, like, low money contract because he was signed as an offensive weapon. He was undrafted out of Western Colorado or something. Love Eckler. I think that there's potential for someone else to come in there and also be relevant.
3: I'd love anybody that goes there, especially, you know, what was it last? What was it, 2020, when we kind of started overdrafting Joshua Kelly after that one game? (laughs) I, I just, like, you know, I'd be excited about any piece in there that's getting the first two downs there. Eckler should definitely just kind of be in that third down. He is not the guy you want running on first and second down. He's not big enough for that. He doesn't have the build for that. He's going to get hurt. Excellent at pass catching though.
1: So this is a good example of a rookie getting drafted to the Chargers and immediately maybe shooting up on, I want that running back because of landing spot.
3: Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you, especially if you get like a third or a fourth, like a round running back selected by the Chargers there, like you're going to have to assume they're probably going to be getting those early carries because they're not happy with jacks they're not happy with joshua kelly roundtree they weren't really getting them mm-hmm. they were pushing eckler more and more towards that and using them less and less so if they're going to use some kind of significant capital even like that like oh third fourth rent like that's significant capital in the nfl they could be taking you know a lot of decent position players there if they're putting that to another running back i'm taking a shot on them if i can get them
2: henry pointed out there was over 900 yards spread out to other running backs they're trying to get other running backs involved. What if that was one good running back?
3: 900 yards, a uh, couple of catches, a couple of touchdowns. It's a solid rookie year. Mm-hmm. It was
0: Kalen Bellage in 2020. He had 300 rushing yards for the Chargers. He kind of showed up and was like super awesome for a couple weeks there oh. in 2020. And then he had the weird thing in like
3: Pittsburgh, but seriously, if Balazs can do it, a rookie can do it. I mean, that's the thing about good organizations, good teams, good coaching staffs. They can make a player fit a situation. You don't have to be the best player, but if you have a, a solid team around you and a solid system, and you can Kind of work it, you can produce fantasy points,
1: okay. So if we're looking for a team that might be trying to pick up a relevant piece in a committee or a desirable cuff, which teams are we looking at in terms of those two situations?
2: I'll start here with Denver. They haven't brought Melvin Gordon back yet, but Melvin Gordon also hasn't signed yet. so, if Denver happens to draft a rookie compliment for Javante Williams, I want it as much as you do for the J. Will experience to happen. If they get one of the better running backs in this class as a compliment for Javante Williams, that running back is probably going to have relevance for fantasy, if last year showed us anything. Maybe they're easing in young, young, young Jay Will, and that this year it's going to be a taking over higher split than Half the pie exactly with a veteran Melvin Gordon. If they're bringing a rookie and that rookie is the 35-40 split, that's still a relevant fantasy player. So if if a running back lands in Denver, even if he's clearly not as good as Javante Williams, I'm still going to be interested in that running back. I know you love Mike Boone, but I would love it for a rookie to Mike Boone. Mike Boone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boone shakalaka.
3: <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. I'll continue with Melvin Gordon. The Baltimore Ravens haven't signed Melvin Gordon yet. I still think they're going to be looking for a compliment to J.K. Dobbins. I don't know if they'll be putting significant capital into it, but they're a heavy rushing team, solid offensive line, great system. I'd love to go ahead and see whoever they put behind Dobbins there. I think
0: there's a number of teams where I look at and can go running back, pinch on the last year of a contract, should add somebody. If you just made me pick one right now, it'd probably be Tennessee, I guess, just with Derrick Henry aging the way he is. He had the Jones fracture in his foot at the tail end of last season, obviously knocked him out. They had to bring in Deonta Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard and a bunch of other names, uh, Jeremy McNichols. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If they were to be able to shore up sort of a backup, I don't necessarily know that he's at all with Derrick Henry. Maybe he takes some receiving work in that offense. He could be super awesome for the future. There's so many teams you look at, though, and you go, the guy in front of him goes down or leaves. Mm-hmm. They could be awesome. Like, the Bengals, I think, didn't bring back some Ajay P. Ryan. and so it's just Mixon and Chris Evans, sixth-round rookie at Michigan last year. It's like, that would be a great spot. Giants didn't bring back Devontae Booker. Barkley's in the last year of his contract. That could be an awesome spot. Burita. Pittsburgh has, like, nothing. Burrida. Yeah, oh, Burrida. And Antonio Williams. <laughs> Antonio Williams was a name people loved in Buffalo for two games.
3: And they brought Buffalo to New York, which is kind of, they're already in New York. Yep.
0: <laughs>
2: it did, and they brought Brita and Antonio
3: Williams. Yes, they did.
2: Uh, Pittsburgh, obviously with Najee. It's interesting, but. Tennessee let go, Darrington Evans. He's on the Bears now. Oh, Yep. Former third-round pick out of Appalachian State. Boy, I love him too. <sighs> Deontay Foreman is backing up Christian McCaffrey now. So that is a, a great spot where there's like the two- and the three is open Mm -hmm. for Tennessee so I, I love that point there oh as far as Baltimore it sounds like maybe one or both may not be as healthy as they would have hoped between Dobbins and Gus the Bus Edwards.
3: I mean, I'd probably lean, like, Gus not being as healthy with the Achilles and him not being 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Dobbins is probably going to be expected to start up on the pup just like any other running back that tears their ACL, and then by the end of the preseason or into, the, you know, into week one, they'll be activated off of that.
2: Yep. So Dobbins hopefully right on time for the season season, but we know that they've used a complimentary piece. So if a landed there and Gus Edwards isn't healthy to start the season, that would definitely make them of interest for fantasy football purposes.
0: Yeah, we didn't even touch on Atlanta, but that's obviously interesting with Cordero Patterson being brought back. And Mike Davis, people really want to think that he had an awful year compared to the year he had in Carolina. If you look at it, he's the same player he was in Carolina. He just didn't get an mm-hmm. opportunity without Production. Right in Carolina it was like, eh, you might suck, but here's the ball twenty times a game. In Atlanta, it was like, oh god, he sucks. Let's stop giving him the ball. They he's still on the roster. He's still getting a low money contract. Maybe they stand
3: pat with that, but obviously a bit of a need. I'm just not terribly interested in like a like a, a third or a compliment running back in Atlanta. It's not looking to shaping it like it's shaping up to be a terribly good offense. I mean we have like Mariota. I think like the best player on that offense is Pitts and then an outside of that, it's not great.
2: I think ATL is, is a dark horse for one of the top two running backs. Like, if one of them landed there, that'd be awesome, but you'd think that if they're rebuilding, to go and pick one of the top running backs doesn't, like, match up logically. No. But it would be a cool spot.
3: Yeah, could you imagine them running the ball with, like, Brees 25 times a game and going, like, 2-15? <laughs> and 15?
2: Getting hit behind the line of scrimmage every play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, speaking of Atlanta, perhaps could end up being a team who ends up going for a wide receiver because they could definitely use a wide receiver. This year,
0: or put Cordero at wide receiver, <laughs> and take a running back.
1: You know what? He can just do it all. Just do it yeah. all,
0: or just play
2: Pitts at six positions.
1: <laughs> they, yeah. they only need two guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, any wide receiver at Atlanta—that's somebody you're going to be looking at because they have no one else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have a feeling my next question: Atlanta is going to be one of the teams mentioned. Real quick, let's touch on wide receivers. We had a player like Jamar Chase last year who got drafted and just immediately made an impact in his spot, especially on your fantasy roster. So, Henry, let's start with you. Who is the team that stands out to you that's probably going to draft a wide receiver? And it's going to make a big impact immediately.
0: Packers, Packers, and Packers. Yeah. Yep.
1: Packers was the other one on my list. I'm thinking Atlanta and Green Bay.
0: Yeah. uh, Give me the best quarterback that we've ever seen in the NFL and give me their wide receiver. (laughs) That's bold. I mean, back-to-back MVP, the best thrower of the football that I've ever seen. I don't know. He takes care of the ball. Like. He can throw to a trash can, and they might be able to catch the ball. Yeah, I just think Rodgers, talent-wise, is right up there with, like, Elway Marino when you talk arms. In the history of the league with arms, it's, like, just unbelievable. And we saw what he could do with Devontae and Jordy and Greg Jennings back in the day, Randall Cobb for a bit. Yeah. And these are not stud receivers, really. I mean, Jordy Nelson's not a stud receiver. Okay? Like, say what you want to about Jordy. He performed well. He goes to Las Vegas.
3: You just said Adams
0: isn't a stud. Yeah, I don't think so. That's bold. I really think Rodgers is unbelievably special. So you look at a lot of these teams and you look at the quarterback situation, and for me, it just seems like someone has the best chance to go in there and truly become a number one receiver, regardless of draft capital. I don't know if they spend a day one pick. Maybe it's a day two like Devontae was, or day three, or they round three.
3: They haven't spent a first-round pick on like a receiver in a very long time. Uh, but Ever.
0: Ever in the yeah. Rodgers
3: era. Ever. I always yeah. have
1: a very disappointed husband every year when they go to pick, and he's <laughs> like, they're and then they pick some totally crazy spot. And he's like, what is happening?
2: Like a backup quarterback? Like, yeah. you... Nope, Jordan Love. <laughs>
0: For the back to back MVP? A backup quarterback, a backup running back. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's bad. It's bad. Yep. He's like throwing chairs.
0: <laughs> uh, the back-to-back MVP of the league can't get help from his own organization.
1: So good question real quick, and I don't want to get into this too deep. Do you think they're actually going to allow Aaron to have input and say with him coming back, re-signing, being? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Quote-unquote,
2: no. he was instrumental in them bringing in Sammy Watkins.
3: Yeah. they, they got upset. Sammy Watkins for the offseason. They got a Randall Cobb. He'll be instrumental in bringing
0: back Jake (laughs) Kumarow. Yeah. (laughs) As his wide receiver one. Go trade for 30 year old Cobb. (laughs) Instrumental in getting rid of Devontae Adams as well, I'm sure. You know,
1: Rodgers (laughs) is an interesting quarterback because he is fantastic, but it seems like (laughs) what matters the most he chokes every year.
0: It seems like when it matters most that his punter gets his punt blocked and returned for a touchdown. <laughs> damn it, Rogers. <laughs> it's like, it's like seriously, it's like, damn it, Rogers, you could win the NFC Championship game. How dare <laughs> you let that punt get blocked for a touchdown? It's like, this poor guy. Alright,
1: but... let's move on. Mike, what team stands out to you as far as wide receiver? I mean, you mentioned Atlanta before. I but... mentioned
3: Atlanta. I mean, I'm gonna go with Chicago. Okay. But That's a good one. I, I think, you know, up and coming second year quarterback, new offensive system going together, they only have Mooney. I mean, I I know people are very high on Mooney, but I mean, he had late-round capital. If they go ahead and add a significant receiver, he's going to immediately be at least the number two. To the Mooney? Uh, Yeah, he's... (laughs) To the Darnell,
2: Mooney. to the Mooney, Darnell, to the Mooney,
0: <laughs> to
1: the Mooney yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
3: with
0: Khalif <laughs> Raymond.
3: Yes. So any receiver, there is potential to be at least the two, possibly the one number one receiver, number one in targets on that team. So that's pretty right. exciting.
1: Chicago for you. Nick, how about you? Who's your team?
2: Sadly,
3: it, it's kind of mixed emotions
2: <laughs> with the Houston Texans. If they take a wide receiver, it's going to probably ding Collins who is someone who I have on a decent amount of teams and have, you know, acquired here and there. I flipped him for James Conner in a handful of leagues last year towards the trade deadline on win now rosters. But that's going to look like a much better move if they end up drafting a rookie wide receiver. They did re-sign Cooks. So Cooks is going to be there for sure. So it's not like it's the number one, but... Houston Texans were someone we didn't mention as someone who is uh, at least a possibility of taking a QB in this draft, though it seems like it would be the most logical solution would be like Hertz where they ride it out for a year and then maybe try again next year for our QB. If they take a wide receiver, especially one of the ones of significance who we've discussed previously, it could be a ding for Nico Collins, but could be a, a pretty sweet landing spot.
3: I mean, I haven't heard a single negative thing about that organization. like uh, talking about Davis Mills. I, it sounds like they're very excited about kind of going in with him into this year. So I really don't expect them to make a change of quarterback and really draft one this year. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely be excited about the wide receiver. I agree with you there.
1: How about a team like Kansas City who lost, like, Tyreek Hill?
2: No. No. Uh, this is one of the premier spots for a rookie. You know.
0: I think people think that, and it's they have MVS, Hardman, and Juju.
1: Oh, Juju.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna make... It's <laughs> they're, they're gonna make a decision where they go, hey, let's have Hardman and MVS run down the field as fast as they possibly can, and have Juju and Kelsey underneath.
1: I hope you're right about Juju. I really do.
3: That's the offense. I mean, split up, like, the uh, the hill roll between a couple of fast guys. Mm-hmm. Throw all the underneath stuff to Juju. Load them up with targets. You got Kelsey, also open in the field. Kelsey is great at improvising, especially when they're they're under pressure. And you're going to find what you find every year with Mahomes, where his third target is good for 600 yards on the year or something, and it's just not a guy you can play.
2: Someone who you haven't mentioned yet. Clyde edwards Hilaire. Yeah, get him involved. They brought in Ronald Jones, who's clearly not a pass catcher. No. They don't have a wide receiver that we all three of us love equally, as far as being awesome. Mm-hmm. So, maybe, kind of just going under the radar, but Clyde Edwards-Solaire all of a sudden gets a decent target share in this offense that you kind of, like, thought would happen in year one, but then it happens now. I mean, he's still young enough. Darrell
0: Williams had like, 60 receptions mm-hmm. last year, something absurd, and like, just make that Clyde.
2: I mean, I know Clyde was hurt. It's a spot where I've, I've thought about adding it to the running backs as far as a running back landing spot, mm-hmm. just because Ronald Jones is extremely one-dimensional, and then Clyde edwards helaire obviously has holes in his game, at least so far in the NFL, so if they landed a spot at a running back, that would be cool, but you'd think, man, they just... Patrick Mahomes said, pick a running back in the first round a couple of years ago. Are they really going to go at and pay decent draft capital for another running back? Mm -hmm. Maybe Mahomes says, I want a wide receiver and says, give me Jamison Williams. And then we love Jamison Williams. It'd be intriguing for Kansas City to
0: add. Like, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's equally likely that you see Buffalo add and people are equally interested for Mahomes and Josh Allen, obviously. You look and it's Diggs and it's... Jamison Crowder who they just added and Gabe Davis obviously but if they were to add that could be interesting uh, I think Indianapolis I thought for sure that was one you were gonna yeah. hit on was Indianapolis because I think you've mentioned that more mm-hmm. than anyone with Michael Pittman who was awesome last year I always like talking about when Wentz only throws to tall receivers mm-hmm. like Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz mm-hmm. back in the day and then Pittman has a breakout with him he didn't really do much with Rivers maybe he doesn't do much with Ryan again this year and they need someone else obviously Hilton's not under contract still free agent seems like he might come back one more time. Pascal left for the Eagles, and then Paris Campbell on his 17th chance. So Indianapolis makes a ton of sense there. That's a good one.
1: What about New England? We've got Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, and Kendrick Bourne. Mm -hmm. Still have Aguilar. Is New England a... A team that you could see... I feel like they haven't had a standout wide receiver since since Edelman. I
3: mean, if Bill wasn't there, I could totally see the team yeah. going with an early receiver. It's just not something that they generally do. It's just... Unless it's Keel Harry. Yeah, like, they're the type of team that, like, will trade for, like, a Randy Moss at the end of their career after a bunch of, like, troubles and everything and kind of, like, load him the ball and, like, get him a crazy season. It's not, like, a position they generally put a lot of draft capital into.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to take the onset sale guys and turn them into what they can, which is a totally good strategy. Like Myers and
3: Bourne. Like Myers, Bourne. Mm Yeah.
0: Yeah. They they paid top dollar for those targets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they did. They paid weird top dollar.
1: (laughs) So lastly, let's just touch on tight ends. This is a short segment to wrap us up. I know you guys just love talking about tight ends and put so much into drafting them. But Mike, how about you... A team that you think should probably be drafting a tight end in this rookie draft.
3: Probably the New York Giants. Ricky Seals-Jones is not the permanent answer at tight end there. Uh, and that's all they got right now. They need a pro
2: bowler replacement.
3: Yes, they got to replace one pro bowler. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I still think his pretty much everything he did is going to be replaced by Tony, except hopefully he does not drop the ball or cause interceptions by trying to catch. I don't know how. Because Evan Ingram tries to catch a ball and just, like, push it into a linebacker's hand somehow. I never seen somebody do that so much.
2: Well, Giants definitely a good landing spot for a tight end.
3: Yes, move on.
2: Certainly <laughs> the Giants.
1: Oh yeah, Giant tight end.
2: Gosh, if you just like made us pick more,
0: I guess Washington is not necessarily completely set there.
3: Washington, I kind of like what they have there um, with Logan Thomas. I mean I know Bates isn't like fast, but he was serviceable.
0: He's okay. You kind of look at I think Minnesota could be interesting, losing Conklin and then Ersmith coming off the injury. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, obviously, Troutman didn't really do a whole lot of anything. No. So there's a couple of spots you could look at and you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. They could
3: probably take a tight end. You do have, like, Ebron still on the free agency market. He could be somebody mm-hmm. that's signed by one of those teams. And Jared Cook. Jared Cook, I love him.
1: Jared Cook is a great fantasy tight end.
2: I mean, he's awesome Did fantasy. Minnesota re-sign Chris Herndon? I don't think so. Nope, he's a free agent. Does it matter? <laughs> uh, they acquired him last yeah. year
0: during the season, for what it's they worth. They did. They traded for him mm-hmm. for some reason, and then never played
3: him. I think they figured it out quick.
2: Indianapolis. Is another yeah. decent spot. Yeah. Mo Cox and Kylan Granson. Yeah, Green Bay is an interesting spot. They resigned yeah. Tanyan, and obviously they have Josiah DeGuara. But
1: I think you just like saying that name.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati only signed Hayden Hurst, and they let Uzoma go. Yep.
3: Oh, that's exciting.
2: Yep. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> has you know Tommy Trumble and extension. Ian Thomas extension, like you said there. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers, Jared Cook, free agent, Gerald Everett. They're. Resigned Parham. McKinney. I think it was re-signed or something with Parham. You guys. Yep. Tendered. Yep. And
3: then
0: you <laughs> said Gerald Everett, right? Yeah. They signed him like one year, eight mil or mm-hmm. something.
2: New Orleans resigned signed Juwan Johnson. <laughs> they still have Adam Troutman. I, <laughs> Juwan Johnson. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that any tight end is awesome there. So rookie, landing spot potential. Yeah. And then Tampa Bay. If Gronk doesn't yeah. come back. Oh!
1: <gasps> Oh, Gronk has to come back.
2: Super interesting. If they just have Cameron Braid, Oh, O.J. Howard, yeah. O.J.
3: Howard walked. Yeah, yeah, Buffalo.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe they get somebody. And then Tennessee. They signed Austin Hooper. Man, yep. they still have <laughs> Freddie Swain, for
3: what that's worth. Or uh, Jeff Swain. Jeff Swain, yeah. Hey, there's just not enough tight end talent to put in all these landing spots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just
2: <laughs> spots to watch if a tight end goes there.
3: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but probably not.
1: Well, in bringing up the rear end of this podcast with tight ends, I say we wrap it up here.
2: Mm-hmm. Looking big.
1: Looking big. Speaking of tight ends, I gonna have jokes for days with tight ends. I'm just saying. Now
2: let's
0: wrap
1: let's it up. wrap it the up the with ends. the tight end.
2: Yeah, yes. safety first. Yes.
0: Safety first, wrap it up.
1: Oh, my God. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. You really never know what you're going to get on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. We, We love talking about football wrapped up with a little bit of adult humor. Hopefully you learned something and took some information about the upcoming rookie class with you. We look forward to discussing after the draft, landing spots, and how the rookies affect other players' values. So stay tuned for more information on that. Mike, tell them where they can find you.
3: Underscore Papa Bearclaw on Twitter with the at symbol at the beginning. Ask us questions.
1: Henry, where can they find you?
3: Yeah, at
0: ClairvoyanceFF on Twitter. And then find me at Clairvoyance on the Sleeper app. Go ahead and yeah, send us some questions our way something you know let us know
1: Nick where can they find you on social media
2: I'm at Iowa in the NFL on Twitter they remove my posts when I post them on Facebook so apparently you can't find me there (laughs) but like both Henry and Mike said we've been informed that we need to involve the audience more so if you'd like to reach out with any kind of a question or anything you want us to discuss feel free to hit us up on either at RankDraftTrade on Twitter and RankDraftTrade.com we read all those if you're listening to this podcast and you review and you want to say something to us there we're going to read every word of those so feel free to reach out to us we're curious what you have to say
1: yeah definitely give us content to discuss and we would love to get your questions on air i am gina noble your host and you can find me at noble g oh my god i just forgot my thing <laughs> what is it noble g underscore ff right is that yes. what it is on twitter okay Find find me at NobleG underscore FF on Twitter.
2: You're so good at this.
1: I suck at (laughs) this. (laughs) As always, we certainly hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true.
2: Yes. See you next time.
1: See you next time. Peace.
2: Peace out.